Yes, so if we can bring up our pictures, we'll just have a few assistants. While we're doing that, just want to mention a few things. Um, we, tonight is uh, Missionary Emphasis Night, and we're looking forward to that, to being challenged, to look at other uh, mission works, hear from mission works. And uh, also, we want to say, just uh, in case some of the saints aren't aware, that Eric and Sophia are, are with us today, Eric and Sophia Avila, and they are planning to go out or to uh, South Africa uh, September 21st, September 21st for three weeks to scout out the land, so to speak, and looking to the Lord, fe- feeling called to a foreign mission work or to mission work, um, having visited with Sid and Karen Hall's band uh, a number of times. So they're going there for three weeks and then just waiting on the Lord as to where they'll be, uh, where they'll go, and so forth. So we want to pray. All of us, I think, are for, most of us are familiar, knowing Sophia formerly Ward, that was with us for so many years here, and then we've known Eric since he was just a youngster at way back many years ago in Hialeah in Miami. Um, We have a number of readings, so if you'd open to the book of Ezra, that's uh, after Chronicle, let's see, we have, we've been, we've been in the Samuel, Kings, Chronicles, Uh, there we go, Ezra. Uh, and that's ten chapters, so Joseph has found some readers, I believe. So, uh, oh, and actually, uh, when we're, yes, we are in, in Ezra, but uh, if you're open there, you'll, I think the first reading will be from the page before in Second Chronicles. Very, uh, there's a link there, so we want to make sure you're aware of that. So the first, but I hope they'll state where they're reading from. Okay, thank you. All right. I'm reading from Second Chronicles 14 to the end. So, all the officers of the priests and all the people likewise were exceedingly unfaithful, following all the abominations of the nations. And they polluted the house of the Lord and that he had made holy in Jerusalem. The Lord, the God of their fathers, sent persistently to them by his messengers because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But he kept mocking the messengers. But they kept mocking the messengers of God, despising the word and scoffing at the prophets, until the wrath of God rose against his people until there was no remedy. Therefore he brought up against, against them the king of the Chaldeans, who killed their young men with the sword in the house of their sanctuary, and had no compassion on the young man or virgin, poor, uh, old man, or aged. He gave them all into his hands. And all the vessels of the house of God, great and small, and the treasures of his house of the Lord, uh, they burned They burned the house of God and broke down the walls of Jerusalem and burned all its palaces with fire and destroyed all its precious vessels. He took into exiles into Babylon those who had escaped from the sword, and they became servants to him and to his sons until the establishment of the king of Persia. To fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah until the land had enjoyed its its sabbaths all the days that all the days that it lay desolate it kept sabbath to fulfill 70 years now the first year of Cyrus the king of Persia that the word of the lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled the lord stirred up in the spirit of of Cyrus king of Persia that uh, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it into writing, thus says the king of Cyrus of Persia, 
The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and has charged me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Whoever is among you of all his people, may the Lord his God, may the Lord his God be with him. Let him go up. Ezra 1, verse 1. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord of the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the, the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing. Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Whoever is among you of all his people, may his God be with you, be with him, and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and rebuild the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. He is the God who is in Jerusalem. And let each survivor in whatever place he, he sojourns be assisted by the men of his place with silver and gold, with goods and with beasts, besides, besides free will offerings for the house of God that is in Jerusalem. Then rose up the heads of the fathers' houses of Judah and Benjamin, and the priests and the Levites, everyone whose spirit God has stirred up to go to rebuild the house of the Lord that is in Jerusalem. And all who were, and all who were about them aided them with vessels of silver and gold, with goods, with beasts, and with costly wares, besides all that was freely offered. Cyrus the king also brought out the vessels of the house of the Lord that Nebuchadnezzar had carried away from Jerusalem and placed in the house of his gods. Cyrus king of Persia Cyrus king of Persia brought these out in the charge of Mithadath the treasurer who counted them out to Sheshbazar the prince of Judah and this was the number of them 30 basins of gold 1000 basins of silver 20 censers 30 bowls of gold, 410 bowls of silver, and a thousand other vessels. All the vessels of gold and of silver were 5,400. All these did, uh, did Sheshbazar bring up when the exiles were brought up from the Babylonian, from the from Babylonia to Jerusalem. This is Ezra 3, 1 through 7. And when the seventh month of and when, the, and when the seventh month had come, and the children of Israel were in the cities, the people gathered together as one man to Jerusalem. Then Jeshua the son of Josadak, and his, and his brethren the priests, and Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel and his brethren, arose and built the altar of, God of, of the God of Israel to offer burnt offerings on it, as it is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. Though fear had come upon them because of the people of those co- countries, they set the altar on its bases, and they offered burnt offerings on it to the Lord, both the morning and the evening burnt offerings. They also kept the Feast of Tabernacles, as it is written, and offered the daily burnt offerings in the number required by ordinance for each day. Afterwards, they offered the regular burnt offering and those for, for new moons and for all the appointed feasts of the Lord that were consecrated, and those of everyone who willingly offered a freewill offering to the Lord. From the first day of of the seventh month, they began to offer burnt offerings to the Lord, although the foundation of the temple had, of the Lord had not been laid. They also gave money to the masons and the carpenters, and food, drink, and oil to the people of Sidon and Tyre, to bring cedar logs from Lebanon to the sea to Joppa, according to the permission which they had from Cyrus, king of Persia. 
I'm going to be reading from a couple places. Um, Ezra 4, 1 to 5, 5, 1 to 2, and 7, 6 to 10. So let's start in Ezra 4. Um, Now when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the returned exiles were building a temple to the Lord, the God of Israel, they approached Zerubbabel and the heads of the fathers' houses and said to them, Let us build with you, for we worship your God as you do. And we have been sacrificing to him ever since the days of Ezarhaddon, king of Assyria, who brought us here. But Zerubbabel and Jeshua and the rest of the heads of fathers' houses in Israel said to them, You have nothing to do with us, for in building a house to our God, but we alone will build, will build to the Lord the God of Israel, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, has commanded us. Then the people of the land discouraged the people of Judah and made them afraid to build and bribed counselors against them to frustrate their purpose all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even until the reign of Darius, king of Persia. Now the prophets Haggai and Zechariah, the son of Ido, prophesied to the Jews who were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel who was over them. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shelatile, and Jeshua, the son of Josedach, arose and began to rebuild the house of God that is in Jerusalem. And the prophets of God were with them, supporting them. This Ezra went up from Babylonia. He was a scribe skilled in the law of Moses that the Lord, the God of Israel, had given. And the king granted him all that he asked, for the hand of the Lord his God was on him. And there went up also to Jerusalem in the seventh year of Artaxerxes, the king, some of the people of Israel and some of the priests and Levites, the the singers and gatekeepers and the temple servants. And Ezra came to Jerusalem in the fifth month, which is in the seventh year of the king. For on the first day of the first month, he began to go up from Babylonia. And on the first day of the fifth month, he came to Jerusalem for the for the good hand of his God was on him. For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach it his statutes and rules in Israel. The first part will be from Ezra 9, 1 through 5. After these things had been done, the officials approached me and said, the people of Israel and the priests and the Levites have not separated themselves from the peoples of the lands with their abominations. From the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Egyptians, and the Amorites. For they have taken some of their daughters to be wives for themselves and for their sons. And they have the holy race has mixed itself with the peoples of the lands. And in this faithfulness, the hand of the officials and chief men has been foremost. As soon as I heard this, I tore my garment and my cloak and pulled the hair from my head and the beard and beard and sat appalled. Then all who trembled at the words of God of Israel gathered round me while I sat appalled until the evening sacrifice. And at the evening sacrifice, I rose from my fasting with my garment and my cloak torn and fell upon my knees and spread out my hands to the Lord my God. The second one will be from Ezra 10, 1 through 4. While Ezra prayed and made confession, weeping and casting himself down before the house of God, a very great assembly of men, women, and children gathered to him out of Israel, for the people wept bitterly. And Shechaniah, the son of uh, Jehiel, and the son of Elam, adjust Ezra. We have broken faith with our God and have married foreign women from the peoples of the land. But even now there, were, there is hope for people in spite of this. 
Therefore, let us make a covenant with our God to put away all these wives and their children according to the counsel of my Lord and of those who trembled at the commandment of our God and let it be done according to the law. Arise, for it is your task, and we are with you. Be strong and do it. I believe that's it, right? Thank you, Joseph. Thank you, young men, for reading. Those are some tough words there. We probably should give a round of applause. Not really. But uh, there are some big words there that uh, were in names and, and, and people and so forth. Yes, so let's get into Ezra. Not much time, but we'll do what we can. Coming together to do the Lord's work. Um, Ezra, a story, if we could just put three R's there. <clears throat> we'll put add some later. Of uh, uh, returning... Returning, rebuilding, and restoring. I just want to get to these pictures that will help us. Now, the reading should have helped us get an idea of what's happening here, right? There was returning, and we're going to touch on that, why they were returning to, the, to, to Jerusalem. And then there was some rebuilding going on, and then some restoring uh, as far as the temple and the people. Now, a walk through the Bible uh, uh, has a, a, a nifty way of remembering this. You know, it's like a cheer, Right. So if you want to remember the book of Esra, you can S. Right. You're going to give me an S. Give me a Ra. Right. Esra. Right. Well, what they're doing here is they're, they're, there's the temple and the people and there's a call back to the land uh, to do a particular work after 70 years. Now, I just put up this this uh, timeline here for uh, just one main reason. Uh, just to show us, I, I don't have the, the clicker here, but just on the, uh, if, if we would notice that, that there are, uh, down on the bottom there, there's this captivity for 70 years, and then there's these three returns. But why they were in captivity is because of something said on the very top line there in Leviticus. Listen to this. This is incredible. I think it's like 900 years before this occurred. You know, when the children of Israel went, uh, placed themselves under the, uh, the covenant of the Lord, God had strictly spelled out what would happen if they obeyed and what would happen if they disobeyed. So listen to this in, uh, in the book of uh, Leviticus. If there, there's, there's going to be disobedience would result in a number of things, terror, disease, conquest uh, by their enemies, drought, barrenness, wild beast, pestilence, invasion, and then captivity. He, he says this. Uh, he's telling them this way ahead of time. The reason I put this up here is because sometimes we think, you know, we're living in a certain time frame in society. And, and, you know, well, everybody's doing it. Nobody's paying attention to the Lord. So we can just do what we want. Well, that is absolutely wrong because God will do his counsel will stand and he will do all his pleasure. We can be assured of that. And this was stated some 900 years or a thousand years. If we could follow the, the timeline on that chart before the captivity occurred. But listen to what he says. If you will walk contrary to me, I will chastise you, and so forth. I will bring the land into desolation. Your enemies which dwell therein shall be astonished at it. I will scatter you among the heathen. That's why they were expelled out, right? The exiled out. You hear the word exile? Exiled out. I will scatter you among the heathen and draw out a sword after you. Your land shall be desolate and your cities waste. Then shall the land enjoy her Sabbaths. 
as long as it lies desolate, you shall be in your enemy's land and the land shall rest and enjoy her Sabbaths. We're familiar with the Sabbath, right? One day out of the week. What? If we had time, we'd look into the sabbatic year every seven years, right? There was supposed to, the land was supposed to lie fallow the whole year. They, they, they looked at what? What is wrong with that God telling us to leave the land and not let it do anything? But they disregarded the word of God and God had to bring them into judgment. And that's why 70 years the land had to, to lie uh, desolate, right? They ignored the word of God. We heard that from the reading in Second Chronicles. That's one of the reasons we put that up and then there's the return. But I want to look at the seven. I think the 70 year is next. Let me see. Uh, what we have here. Ah, yes. You hear about the 70 year exile if you're a Bible reader. Now, <clears throat> I want to just say a little bit of word about this because we can see again from the very beginning of the Bible. Uh, but, by the way, Genesis, uh, Ezra is a, is a very historical book. Yes. Some of us, maybe we don't like history so much, but it's also very practical. We're going to look at that. Very, very practical, but it's also prophetical. It's also prophetical because what happened in the book of Ezra was as a result of that prophecy that was given so many years ago. If you obey, this will happen. If you disobey, no. And what will happen? The 70 year exile. Now, there's a number of verses to support this. But what happened was they were they they were led into captivity under the uh, under Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon. The temple was destroyed. We read about that in Second Chronicles, right? But here, there's, there's a, why? Why 70 years? Well, we read it, and th- there was one reason given in Second Chronicles that we read. And I just wanted to touch on another one. You know, the Word of God is amazing. The Word of God is amazing. Oh, did I, I forgot to say. Do you know that one day, Daniel was reading his Bible? Daniel. Daniel was reading his Bible, And he understood by reading his Bible about the 70 years, and it was about to come to a close. He, uh, this is amazing. He was reading what we're going to read now, the prophet Jeremiah, and he understood by books, the scripture says. He understood by the prophet Jeremiah. That means that you and I should be constantly reading the word of God so we can have an understanding of the times what, of what, that we're in. Don't ignore the word of God. Oh, I got to do too many things today. I got too many things on my schedule. I got, I, there's no time to read the word of God. You don't know how busy I am, Lord. I got work. I got school. I got play. I got pleasure. Do you know that the Lord holds your breath in his hand? We need to draw near to this living God. He's given us his word. Now, so listen to this. This is in, uh, 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 we could read any number of these verses, but Jeremiah, many years before this occurred, this 70-year exile, Daniel was reading about it. He understood it. Thus saith the God of Israel, Unto all that are carried away captives whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon, build houses, dwell in them, so forth and so on. And then uh, in verse uh, verse 10, thus saith the Lord, after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you in causing you to return to this place. Daniel was reading his Bible and understood that. Isn't that amazing? So that's why the 70 years uh, came about. They were exiled out. Now here we're going to hang and make a few comments just for a few minutes uh, on this overall look at the book of Ezra. We can see basically it's divided in half. 
the first uh, six chapters, one through six, and then the last four chapters, seven, eight, nine, ten. And it, I think that it, uh, this, I found this on the Internet quite helpful, I thought. And if we really were interested and had time, we'd look at where Esther fits in, the book of Esther. It's, it's right in there in, in the book of Ezra in that gap period. But I just want to just talk a little bit about the book at large in the few minutes uh, that we have to see what we can learn here. And I'll just took a few highlights, and I believe that'll be about all that we can. Now, remember, uh, the book, historical, practical, and prophetical. Prophetical in the sense of what, what did take place from the past, but now what is taking place, there's a return to the land, a rebuilding the temple, and a restoring of the Levitical order. And who called them back? Who called them back? Well, God had decreed it, but he used an instrument. Now, in chapter 1 and in, and in 2 Chronicles 36, there's a man or a king by the name of Cyrus. Now, <clears throat> you know, as I was reading through Isaiah, I just was struck with this man. Because it's, 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 it's incredible that 150 more years or more approximately... Before he was even born, God could look down through the, the annals of time and he could talk about Cyrus, my shepherd, Cyrus, my anointed. He will be the one that will lead my people out. What? And Cyrus didn't even know the Lord, didn't even know the Lord. But the Lord's counsel would stand and he would use this man to shepherd his people. Can you think? Think about that. How could that be that God would use one that didn't even know him? If we had time, we'd look at Isaiah 45 and so forth. Now, <clears throat> there is something out in the evangelical world that gives a lot of food for thought. And it's this. Some have compared our present time with our present president, Donald Trump, to this man, King Cyrus. Because can God use a person that doesn't even know him? To accomplish his purposes. And we know, according to this Bible, that God can do that. Now, I'm not going to, to uh, elaborate on it, but there is a lot of similarities between what is happening right now and what was happening then and what is happening right now. When you take this, our, our present president that's sympathetic toward the, the uh, Israeli people, that he's actually visited the temple site, I understand, uh, from various sites, and you know, having an, an, interest, an interest in real estate, oh, of all things. How is that third temple going to be built? Have you ever thought of that? The Bible declares that there will be a third temple. It will be built where the Dome of the Rock is now. That is a Muslim Islamic shrine that is, that is currently on the Temple Mount right now. But somehow, some way, there will be a third temple that will be built. Who will God use to call the people back? They're being called back now. The order is being restored even now as we speak for the Levitical order. You read in the book of Ezekiel and you can see all that is going to take place in the millennium. In that thousand year reign when me and you that know the Lord are going to reign with him on the earth. What a wonderful thing. But we, we you know, I, I, again, it's food for thought that God could use a man like Cyrus. He certainly can use a man like Trump that doesn't even know the Lord to accomplish his purposes. Again, I won't be dogmatic about it. But it, it, when you look at what's happening then and what's happening now and you see the, the, the same thing, Jewish people returning to the land of Israel, 
temple plans to rebuild. How will this come about? There is such animosity between the Jews and the, the, the Muslims. How will it come about? Well, I don't know, but our God is in heaven. His counsel will stand. He will do all his pleasure. And he will, the order, Levitical order is being restored. How will it happen? Will he use Trump? I don't know, but he's going to use somebody like he used Cyrus in that day. Now, there's no prophecy, of course, of the man he will use. Let's make it clear, as it was with Cyrus, a definite prophecy. No definite prophecy that I know of about the man the Lord will use. But it is interesting that in the evangelical world that is even put out there. So let's think a little bit about uh, Cyrus just for another second. That he uh, somehow... Whether Oh, here's another thing. Daniel served in the time of Cyrus. Now, Daniel had to be an old man by this time, according to the book of Daniel. Daniel understood by books in Jeremiah what was happening at the present. Did Daniel have something to do with saying, hey, Cyrus, king, did you see this? Did you see what's going to happen? I don't know, but it does. You, you'd think it had to happen because Daniel understood by the word of God what would happen with the 70 years. And now he could certainly have gone to Cyrus, but something stirred Cyrus, right? It says the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus. Now, the often quoted historian Josephus said this, Cyrus learned by reading Isaiah. He admired the divine character that wrote and on an imp that an impulse seized him to do what was written. Can you imagine? You have no regard, no no interest in the word of God, and 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 your statesman comes to you and says, Hey, 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 did you read this? Did you read this? Your name's right here. It's it's talking about you. And he, he looks, whoop, that's me, Cyrus. And I and I'm in the word of God. Can you imagine what happened to you? His spirit was stirred up in him, you know? And he goes and he calls everybody Amazing. I think that's utterly amazing. It's, it's just astounding to me that God could use somebody that he didn't. The man didn't even know him. Oh, you say, oh, he's just a puppet. Nah. It's a puppet, puppet. You know, God is sovereign and he uses the will of man to accomplish his purpose. But Cyrus was very sympathetic, right? Ah, let's go. Let's do what we need to do. So that's what happened here in Ezra. There's the restoration of the temple and there's the reformation of the people. Uh, overall in the book of uh, Exodus. So the book of Ezra, the story is the triumphant return and recovery uh, of of the Jews to Jerusalem. There is prophecy fulfilled, and it's a very similar scene today. Because what are we seeing now but Jews coming back from all over the world into Israel, into Jerusalem? And again, the temple being reestablished or the temple order being reestablished. Those that are, have the last name Cohen, right? That's Levi. That's the Levitical tribe, right? You look it up. That's, look, up look up in your Bible and you look up the Hebrew word for Levi, Cohen. You know, so how many Lev- Levites are around today? I don't know, but they're there. And God somehow, according to the book of Ezekiel, they're going to be in action with the sacrifices in the temple and so forth. So it, to me... This is not just dry, boring history. Ah, I have to study history. No, history is his story. And God is accomplishing his purpose even today, right now. You know, you can hardly read the news without seeing uh, things that are taking place from the word of God. So there's lessons in this Bible, in this book. There's a message for all believers where, where 
where return, renewal, and revival are needed regarding our worship, regarding our walk, regarding our witness, whether it's individually or collectively. So chapter 1 takes up the decree of Cyrus. And then uh, we'll just go through and make a few more highlights, and then um, we'll be done. Now, chapter 2, I just want to point out where they came. They came back, verse 68. We didn't read this in our reading, but I just, because there's a lot of names, a lot of families that are called back in this period. But what happened, notice in verse 68, it says, they came to the house of the Lord, which is at Jerusalem. Now, wait a minute. We just read the house of the Lord was burned. Wasn't there. But you see, there was one place. If we had time, we'd trace the the scriptures where God was pleased to place his name there. Yeah. Oh, they can burn the temple down. But God was pleased to place his name there. So they came, according to verse 68, to the house of the Lord, which is at Jerusalem. Well, it's not even built yet. But that's where the Lord was pleased to place his name. Exceedingly interesting to me. And how did they how are they going to function? According to chapter three and verse two, they came together to the God of Israel to offer burnt offerings as it is written, as it is written. You see that phrase three times here and it's throughout the word of God and it's used in a number of places, number of uh, other areas in the word of God. If we had time, we'd look on it. Various stages of history. There's a return to the book, a return to the book. As it is written, as it is written, as it is written. That's where you and I need to go if we want to, to, to uh, as, uh, uh, number one, if we're not saved, and we want to be, as we've heard, heard this morning, in glory with the Lord of glory, we have to come through his way. It's very, ex- very exclusive. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. It's written. It's written. But for those that know the Lord, right, we want to function according to what is written. So that's there in that chapter. Now, in chapter number five, there's interesting uh, uh, a point made here in many. But in, uh, I think we had this read to us that there was prophets. They they were building and prophesying at the same time. Chapter five, verse two. And we thank the Lord for those that are willing to not only take from the Lord and deliver to the Lord's people, but actually get in there and practically work. And that's what we see in the uh, the prophets there in uh, chapter number five. Chapter number seven is finally where we have introduced to us the man Ezra. And Ezra, the Bible says, was a ready scribe, a skilled scribe. He was well versed in the law of Moses. That was the word of God. Right. So it behooves us, encourages us to be to follow it after that same pattern, to be a skilled scribe, to be in the book, to understand, to rightly divide the word of truth and so forth, to understand what the Lord is saying to to us. Now, Ezra led another uh, return in the first uh, six chapters. It was Zerubbabel. And in the second uh, half of the book, seven to ten, it was Ezra that learned uh, led another return. The temple was built, as the chart shows, the temple was restored and there was rejoicing and all that. We didn't really look at that for time's sake. Uh, but the second half, the, as we're going to deal with the people, we want to touch on that before we end. Two different personalities or two different persons, Zerubbabel and Ezra, so forth. The two, two divisions, the two returns and so forth. And we see the opposition in, in the first half, but there's also opposition in the second half. And that's what we want to look at right now that we had read. Now, <clears throat> chapter 9, I did, before we get into chapter 10 and close off our session here. Chapter 9 is remarkably interesting as well. 
Because chapter 9 is a prayer of confession. So here comes Ezra, right? He, he's, the, the people have returned for it's some 50-some years. They're, they're, they're back. And, and he leads his other uh, return in five years. But he looks around and he sees there's a, there's a problem. The people have mingled themselves with the people of the lands. They were strictly commanded. Talk about the word of God as it is written. They were strictly commanded way back. If we had time, we'd look at it. have it marked in my Bible. They were not to mingle, intermarry, no unequal yoke, right? No unequal yoke. They were to be the Lord's people. They were not to intermarry with the people of the land. But they did it. They did it. Okay, the holy seed have mingled themselves with the people of the land. So in chapter nine, you have a a, a prayer of confession. It is exceedingly interesting that you have three chapter nines. You have Ezra chapter nine, Daniel chapter nine and Nehemiah chapter nine, all prayers of confession. Right. And there's a lot of benefit to go to both in chapter and Daniel chapter nine. It's a prayer of return. Daniel understood by books that it was time for the people to come back. He read Jeremiah and Ezra. It's a prayer, a confession of a prayer of revival because he realized what was going on. And people needed to to uh, set themselves straight. And then in Nehemiah, the confession prayer is a prayer of rebuilding. Now, chapter 10 is a tough chapter. That's the way the thing ends. If in the first half the temple had to be established, the worship of the people of God, now uh, they're going to have to recognize that there has to be a separate walk. Because later on in the next book, there's going to be a wall built around Jerusalem so they can be separate unto the Lord. Right? But here they weren't. They had the, the, the temple rebuilt and so forth so worship could be established. But there was a problem, as Ezra realized. And and Shechaniah, in verse number 2 of chapter 10, he says, We have trespassed against God. We have taken pagan wives of the people of the land. Yet now there is hope. Yet now there is hope. That's where we're going to end. Even now there is hope. How is there hope? How can they how can they get out? They've dug themselves into a pit. How can they get out? Well, it's pretty radical what's going to happen in chapter 10. Pretty radical what's going to happen in chapter 10. Because they realized that there had been there, there's it, it, basically in, in verse uh, chapter uh, verses 18 to the end 44. There's a detailed list of all the guilty party that had taken pagan wives and some of them even had children by them. And what had to happen? According to what happened in chapter 10, they were commanded to put away all of these pagan wives. They were never to marry them to begin with. Now, this is the way Ezra ends. You might say, well, is divorce good? No. But there was a need for spiritual purity in the nation. And if they were going to walk according to the word of God, which had strictly commanded them not to do what they felt they could do. Again, everybody's doing it, doing it, doing it. I can do it, too. They just entered into the pattern, you know, falling into line. Well, I'm okay. You're okay. You do it. I do it. No regard for the word of God. Well, no, that is not okay. That is not okay. And so Ezra comes to an abrupt End. An abrupt end. All those that had taken strange wives, they had to go one by one by one by one. So it comes to an abrupt end, but the message of the book is complete.
in order to have proper worship, which was established by the rebuilding of the temple in chapter 1 through 6, there also had to be a proper walk. And there had to be items in their lives that were addressed for fellowship with the Lord. And I trust that's where we want to be. There is hope. Now, again, there's practical lessons here. Our time is far gone. But let's just say this. If I come to the realization in my life that I have done something in my heart, my life, my walk that is not according to what is written, there is hope. Because why? I can go back to this wonderful book and I can hear the voice of the Lord and I can not just hear it, but I can take the necessary action. Now, it was very abrupt here. Very, it ended abruptly, right? You, you know, it, it doesn't really comment that, that you, we just, we just uh, must suppose that when these wives and children were sent away, they, they were somehow accounted for, cared for, whatever way, went back to their own families. I don't know. It doesn't really say. I'm not, you know, I'm just reading the word of God. What happened? But to enter in to a defiled relationship was not pleasing to the Lord and they had to act on it. So you and I practically, again, we said there's practical lessons here for you and for me that as I examine my heart, as I examine my life, I'm going to give an account to my God one day. We're hearing about my my redeemer this morning as a child of God. I'm going to give an account before the judgment seat of Christ. I'm not going to have mommy or daddy or uncle or auntie or wife or children, just me and the Lord. And I want to give an account that will be well pleasing to him because I want to do and you want to do what is written. So if there's there's something that we can learn from the book of Ezra, it's that if I want to to have a proper worship and to have a proper walk, I want to do there according to what is written. There is hope. There is hope in Israel. If I act on the word of God, let's pray. Our father, we thank you for the wonderful message in the book. In this book, it's hard. I mean, what, what would I, we can't imagine being one of those families that had settled down with, the, with these Jewish husbands and, and had father and, and husband and, 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 and all of a sudden now they have to be put away and sent back. What, what an awful thing, oh God. But we know that your word is serious. Sin is serious. Sin is a serious matter. And we need to take it serious, oh God. Fools make a mock at sin, the word of God says. So we just pray that you'll help us like those of old that, that heard and looked and did what was written, that we would do the same in our own life. In Jesus' name, amen.